Hey, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Uh, today I'm going to deal with a subject we're calling reasonable sacrifice. Uh, but before I do, uh, we here at Life Church always start the year off with a sacrificial push. Uh, in my mind, we tithe our money. Uh, so in, our, in my mind, we're going to tithe our time for this new year together. Uh, we've kind of, some of us has fallen into, or, or not fallen into, but some of us do the Daniel fast for 21 days. Uh, we do, and, and what we really want to do, we want to do all this corporately. So we're inviting you in as Life Church to join with us on the sacrifices that will be made for the first three weeks or so. Um, like I said, some will be doing the Daniel fast. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it. It's all over. It's online. It's just to where all you do, the best way it is for me, if it don't grow out of the ground, you can't eat it. That makes it easy. Anything grows out of the ground, that's what we eat. We don't do sweets and all the other uh, some others do different things. Josh, why don't you come up and present what we're going to do, and we'll just let him do that. He's better at announcements. Do you mind? So we got together, uh, Dad, Mom, me, and Courtney, and just begin to think about this year and starting a year off. Like Dad said, to us, it's tithing the year. It's so we're going to ask a little more out of you. Uh, Dad's about to get in some teaching that will really open it up as far as the side of sacrifice. And, 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 but I want to give you the scriptures and just kind of where we were coming from. Uh, what we're going to do is, in 2 Samuel, we know David goes and gets the presence of God, which is the Ark of the Covenant. He goes and gets it and wants to bring it back to where it belongs. For one, he wants to bring it to his house. Uh, but his goal is to steward and host the presence of God. So this year has already started pointing in that direction of the desire to steward and host the yeah. presence of God. So in the first 21 days uh, of sacrifice, what we're calling, we want to use 2 Samuel as a uh, just a, kind of a blueprint. If you remember last year, we started the year off and we used Joshua. Uh, you remember the whole, we went through all the studies at the beginning of the year through the life of Joshua. This year we're leaning towards David, what he did. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, Write verse 13. Write that scripture 13, down. Uh, it's really, you can just whole take chapter. all of chapter 6. Yeah. Uh, we know he stored it at uh, Obed-Edom's house, and Obed-Edom just became so blessed, and David thought, we're going to get it. Uh, so verse 13 says, After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, they stopped, and David sacrificed, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing priestly garments. So David and all the people of Israel brought the ark up of the Lord with shouts and with joy and with blowing of the ram's horn. We're going to follow this idea. <laughs> I don't know what to call that. We're going to do 21 days of prayer. This, this church will be open every day from 6 to 9 in the evenings uh, for prayer. We'll have music going. The lights will be down. You can come pray at any time between 6 and 9. So we're going to do 21 days of prayer. That will be the first step of our sacrifice. Every six days, so to speak, he took every sixth step. The seventh step, he stopped. He worshiped. Every 6th, which will be our Saturday, we're going to worship. We're going to come in here on Saturday night. We're going to get together. We're going to worship. We're going we're gonna to celebrate 
the process. I love it that before David actually got the ark to his house, every six steps he celebrated the process of it coming back. So I see that as what this is. So as we're going through a week of sacrifice and we're going to uh, be sacrificial in our homes and what we do, uh, every six steps we're going to stop and celebrate because we believe that God is restoring his presence back That's to his what church, we're after. back to his house. That being said, he said some people are doing Daniel fast. Uh, some people are doing just uh, extended fast throughout the week. What we're asking is you do a fast that is actually a sacrifice. <laughs> In other words, don't say, I'm going to quit eating candy. You should already have quit eating candy. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Easy. Uh, In other words, find the thing that is your sacrifice. Uh, one of the things we always, me and my wife usually do, several of the ones around us, we usually tack on to whatever fast we're doing, is for 21 days we just cut out all entertainment. Television, social media, things that just we use to entertain our flesh. Uh, it just is what it is. We cut that out and we use those moments and those times, not just to sit quietly and say, well, I'm not watching TV today, but to use those opportunities to press in, pray, dig in your word, find podcasts that are feeding you spiritually, these types of things. And we believe the first 21 days prepares us and sets us up for the moment when David and his people came in, the presence of God sits down yeah. in a community, in a house, and things are changed wow. and transformed. Revival has a price tag. Yes, it does. And this first 21 days, we're going to press in sacrificially, and we're going to go after the heart of God. And I believe when his presence is established in a house like this, revival will come and things will be changed. That's what this 20, we want you to know, we're going to put lots of stuff out. We're going to keep this in front of you. We want the language to become, we are in this process of bringing the presence of God back to the house, to our homes, to our parish. And in doing so, we know it's going to take the sacrifice. So join us on this 21 days as we do everything we can to host and steward the presence of God through wow. reasonable sacrifice. Wow. Well said. Uh, he said we'd be gathering every night to pray together. Uh, so we're actually going to be in a 21-day prayer revival, um, excluding Wednesday night. Wednesday night will be online Bible teaching. And uh, so some of you would have to come up here and try to get back. So Wednesday night, there'll be no prayer service here in the evening. We want you to be ready for our Wednesday night Bible class. Um, and there is some phenomenal teaching going on uh, with the Internet right now. Uh, this week, uh, Cherish should be teaching. Last week... A phenomenal. Did anybody hear last Wednesday night by Taylor Schultz? What? Um, matter of fact, I actually think Colby's message from Sunday, Josh's little mini sermon from Sunday, and then Taylor's teaching on Wednesday has really prepared us to go into what I'm about to present. Uh, I'm actually using his text. I really wanted to use all her scriptures what I'm really amazed about is that God is raising up a generation of young people who still believe in commitment, holiness, surrender to God, total devotion. And it's just really becoming a rare thing. So I'm really impressed with that. Um, so Wednesday night, join with us. Yeah. Yes, uh, because we're holding off on our Wednesday night services right now until the 20th. Yeah, our goal is to have to start bringing all the kids back in on the 20th. So between now and then, uh, be watching online. 
Monday, I'll be coming here starting my prayer time at 6. I really wish we could kindly be a corporate prayer for you that can come uh, because I will continue my Monday night class at 7.30 online. We were supposed to stop that, but um, by popular demand. <laughs> Always wanted to say that. Uh, we're going to keep that class going because they're listening from other places. We've been enjoying that, haven't we, guys? Uh, so that's our plan. Um, if you didn't understand everything you threw out there, stay up on Facebook and uh, Flocknote will be letting you know our theme is bringing the glory back in pursuit of his presence. So grab your Bibles and um, brother, you got my scriptures back there. Uh, Jason's going to take us to Romans, but I want you to go to Genesis 22. Um, because that's where we're going to go in just a minute. But I'm going to have him pop up a scripture while you're going to Genesis chapter number 22. Uh, I'm dealing with a subject this morning I'm calling reasonable sacrifice. Reasonable sacrifice. Listen to this powerful scripture. Uh, or just look up on the screen. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, somebody say it with me. And that word service there, for some of you that have different translations, uh, it is the word worship, which is your reasonable form of worship. Genesis chapter number 22, don't usually read these, this many scriptures, but uh, actually, uh, I don't know if you said it or not, we're going to start our commitment tomorrow. How many knows when it comes to fasting, tomorrow is always a better day? <laughs> I'm just being real. <laughs> uh, so there'll be no prayer service here tonight, it will begin tomorrow night. You can start whenever you want to. If somebody says, man, I got this going on, it doesn't matter. We're not trying to create obligational duty here. If you can't start a little later, we're just dedicating the first of this year uh, to sacrifice because we want a greater degree of glory. Kobe's message rocked my world last week. If you don't fast and pray for anything but the fact that I am no longer content with status quo. If we just get that, it'll change our lives. We're praying for a holy discontentment in us that we cannot settle for not seeing the fullness of the kingdom of God manifested in our community. I have got so much to download into you. I don't know how much to get to. I really want to bring a lot of their sermons back into this, but let's just see where God leads. Are you in Genesis 22? And it came to pass, chapter number one, I meant verse number one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and Abraham said, behold, here I am. Boy, if we could just get, God could get that out of us. Behold, here I am. And God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah 
and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now there's some things you need to know and I've allowed you to remain seated because I'm already preaching, but I, I think there's just some background you need to know to make this a little more powerful. He sent him to the mountains of Moriah. And Moriah means scene of Jehovah. I just need you to know that. If you take a note, write it down. It's going to mean something as we go. It means the place that Jehovah sees. It's a mountain. It's a high place. And what you're about to learn is Moriah is a mountain of sacrifice. So God sees, takes notice of the high place of sacrifice in your life. Now, you, you, you got to understand that we're in the genesis of what worship is supposed to look like. Uh, there's, a, there's something called the law of first mention. You ever heard that term? And what that means is if you really want to understand the foundation of a concept, you go back to where it was first mentioned. And because everything after the law of first mention is built upon that, worship. Thank you, sis. Well, we're, we're finna go all the way back to the law of first mission of what real worship looks like. Okay? So I need you to get it in your mind. Mariah, and I'm going to go ahead and throw out this information before we read on. This is the father of our faith. Right? Abraham. The New Testament calls him the father of our faith. He set the pace for the Christian race, if you will, even in the Old Testament. And he went to Moriah. He went to the high place that God sees. He went to the place of sacrifice. If you will, Moriah was a bloody mountain for years. And I think it's ironic. Y'all going to stay with me this morning? I don't want to bore you, but I want you to have this information. I think it's ironic. It's the same place Moriah is. It's the same place. Remember, David disobeyed God and counted the people. And the wrath of God was poured out because of David's pride. And a plague filled the land and thousands were dying. So David went back to the threshing floor, which was the same place, Mount Moriah. And he had to sacrifice animals to stop the plague. Same place, same mountain. Are y'all with me? Mount Moriah. He went back to that same place, offered up a sacrifice to stop the plague. Another thing that's interesting is this same mountain, Moriah, that high place that God sees, that place of sacrifice, is, is contemporarily right now within the city walls of Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? This same place of sacrifice all the way down to where Jesus was killed. I need y'all to have that just as information because it's going to be important in a minute. So it's the high place called scene of Jehovah or God sees. That's when you catch God's attention and he's looking on your situation is in the high place of sacrifice. Uh, verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac and his uh, 
took, let me slow down, his young men with him and Isaac his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went to the place which God told him to go. Then on the third day, after three days of traveling, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place in the distance. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide you here with the donkeys. And I and the lad will go yonder and, somebody say it with me. First, the law of first mention. The lad and I are going to go worship and we will come back to you. I remember your messages. Do you remember? And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering He laid it upon Isaac. I am so tempted to teach the revelations out of Genesis for the coming of the Christ, but I'm not going to do it. Some of you probably understand what's happening here. He laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand, knife in the other hand, and they both went together to do what? Worship. And Isaac spoke up and said unto Abraham, his father, and said, Father... He said, here I am, son. He said, here's the fire. Here's the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? In other words, Isaac knew everything it took for worship. He knew it took fire. He knew it took wood. And he knew something had to die. He said, something's missing. I feel like something's happening in this place. Are y'all feeling me? Stay with me. He said, but where is the what? Come on now, read your Bible. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went together and they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood in order. What? He bound Isaac his son and he laid him on the altar on the wood. It's a type of Jesus on an old wooden cross. And Abraham raised up his hand, Branson. I don't think y'all, I I think y'all just read the Bible and you don't read the Bible. (laughs) This old man has got his knife raised and that's his boy laying there. (laughs) Where is the commitment of the examples of the forefathers and their dedication to the word of God. I'm just blown away that he was about to take the life of his own son because God told him to. I bet you I know what I'd have said. (laughs) That's indigestion. That ain't God. Are y'all listening to me? Ah, uh-uh, uh-uh, I, I don't believe that's God. I mean, and Abraham stretched forth his hand. He took the knife to kill his own son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. You really finna go that far in obedience to God? Stop. 
down. He said, here I am. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. And I just need somebody to read this with me. This blows my mind, my theology, everything out of the water. He said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. Let's read it out loud together. For now I know. Come on, Bible students. For now, God said, I know the value you put on my will. Listen, the second part of that. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God, you got to read your Bible this 21 days. You can't just get down and just read a few scriptures. Now I know you fear me. The word fear, listen to this, is reverence mingled with respect and affection. The second part is to honor in estimation. To honor in estimation. In other words, now I know by what you were willing to sacrifice the true value you place on me. Now I know. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Somebody say it with me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes. Abraham started looking in a higher dimension. Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, behind him there was a ram. Not a lamb. Because the lamb was coming. His name was Jesus. But there was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns and Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Isn't it amazing that that ram was there before he got there? Isn't it amazing that thing was caught there waiting on him but he could not see what God was providing until he began to sacrifice. Huh? Did you catch that? It's rocking my world. There's a lot of things that God's already got tied up, provisions waiting on us, but because we're not willing to raise the knife to cut our own throats, if you will, of sensual appetites and everything in the world, that we never get to see what was there all the time. Because look, thank you, Kamal, you feel me? He went and took that round, oh, 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Huh? Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord. There it is again. It shall be seen. Now you've always heard that means he, God our provider. That's what it means. What it's saying there in the mountain Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Is Jehovah which is God. Jireh means to see. It actually means Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see to it. In other words, God will provide. The problem is he would have never seen the provision if he wouldn't have stepped out in obedience. That's, that, that's, that's worth just giving the Lord a hand praise for. I'm just going to shout myself today. And I'm, isn't that amazing? He called this place Jehovah Jireh. 
And the angel of the Lord, 15, called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Hey, listen to this, buddy. You talking about him catching God's attention on Mount Moriah? And said, by myself, this is why I know this angel was Jesus Christ himself. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, for because you did this thing and did not withhold your son, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. That's why when we go into this 21 days of sacrifice, we're not doing it for nothing. When you catch God's attention, Kobe quoted the scripture, he is a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek after him. God, God was fired up because he put him in position for promotion and he passed the test. How many times has God put you in position for spiritual promotion but we failed the test of sacrifice? We clung to convenience. Whew, I just feel God in this place. Can I work it? Because you have done this thing and you didn't withhold this thing from me. You didn't withhold that tithe from me. That, that thing I gave you, you didn't withhold it from me. And because of it, verse 17, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply your seed. And the, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You've done something, Abraham, that's going to affect every generation after you. How many believe that we are stepping into an era that we could embrace this movement that God has put us on and it bless every generation after you. If you don't believe it, you're going to be sacrificing for nothing. Turn with me now to 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. I bet you if I said 2 Chronicles 7, 14, every one of you could quote it. You used it. This is your text. If my people, which are called by my name. But I want to get into that. And I want you to know now, are you there? Of course, he's got you there. 2 Corinthians 7 and 11. I meant Chronicles. Thank you. Oh, uh, I need you to understand now. Abraham sacrificed on this mountain. David sacrificed on this mountain. And now King Solomon is building the temple for David, his father. And guess where he's building it at? On Mount Moriah, the high place where God sees, the place of sacrifice. Uh, you ought to go back and read that. He just uh, sacrificed, the temple is built. Solomon came in that great big temple bliss and the glory of the Lord came in and the priest fell on their face. They couldn't even do their jobs because of the glory of the Lord. Solomon sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 122,000 sheep just bringing glory to God. We're at, at the same place Abraham raised his knife up. It's the place that God sees, that exalted place. That's where we're at, 2 Chronicles 7 and 11. And so Solomon, am I still saying Corinthians? 
And so Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the palace of the king. That's really important. I don't know if I'm going to teach on it. Amen. Because when God's house is established, then the kingdom can arise. Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the palace of the king. He successfully accomplished all that he had planned to do in the house of the Lord in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said... I have heard your prayer. I need you to underline this or highlight it in your Bible or write it down. I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as what? As a house of sacrifice. God said, that's where I want to dwell. I'm going to show you why. In a house of sacrifice. He said, then... If I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence and plague among my people, and, my pe and if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. The next scripture to me is just almost as important as the other. Look what it says. He said, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to prayer that is offered where? What place? The place of sacrifice. We may be answering questions why some prayers are not being answered. Maybe they're not being prayed from a place of swift and immediate obedience. This was Kobe taught us. For now, I have chosen and sanctified and set apart for my purpose this house. And my name will be here forever. This is what we after, guys. And my eyes and my heart will be there continually. God said, if you want my name to be there, which is his glory, you want me to be very attentive of what's going on there, and you want to have my heart, it's only going to be found in the house I have chosen, and it's called the house of sacrifice. And as for you, Solomon, if you will walk before me as your father walked, and do everything I command you, observe my statutes and my ordinance, then I'm going to establish your royal throne. Ain't it amazing when you get God's house right, he'll get your house right. Okay, can I pour into you for a few minutes? About 90 of them. I told you today we're going to talk about sacrifice. Uh, it would be appropriate to start off with just a Greek or Hebrew definition of sacrifice. I love this one. To sacrifice means to make sacred. Now, I also want to tell you this. This word sacrifice is not a religious term. Amen. It's just not a Christian term. It's not a religious term. It's just a term which to mean make sacred. So, amen. You can take anything and make it sacred based on what you're willing to sacrifice. A lot, of things, a lot of people make hunting sacred. A lot of us make fishing sacred. A lot of us make a, a lot of things sacred. Yeah. So you make th something sacred by the time you spend on it. Second definition, so the first definition of sacrifice is to make sacred. The second one actually is to destroy. 
Well, I came with encouragement today. Here's one for you, Taylor taught. It means to surrender or suffer to be lost for the sake of obtaining something else. What? I'm going to say that one again. To surrender or allow to be lost for the sake of obtaining something else. In other words, a thing is made sacred by what you're willing to surrender or allow to be lost in order to obtain it. Now, what's really sad is is that this word sacrifice would be totally expected and accepted if I was in a locker room setting talking to a football team. Huh? Is that right, coach? The word sacrifice would be totally acceptable and reasonable if I was talking to a football team about the sacrifice it would take to obtain a winning season. Or if I was standing on a gym floor, Kenny, if I was standing in the gym talking to a basketball team about the sacrifice and the dedication it would take to bring home the trophy. Not, matter of fact, not only would it be acceptable, but it would be expected and even motivational to those who desire to be winners. Coaches would use this word. Come on, guys. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take devotion. <laughs> because there's teams out there that want to beat you, and if they put the time in and you don't, you're not carrying the trophy home. Is anybody listening to me? It would just be, it would be normal. As a matter of fact, Paul actually used this same locker room vernacular about sacrifice in 1 Corinthians 9. Write that down. I love them scriptures. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse number 24. He said, you know what? In a race, all the runners are running, but only one will receive the prize. He said, so run to win. (laughs) Shake your neighbor right now and tell them, you got to be in it to win it. Come on, if we was playing cornhole, you'd be in it to win it. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, amen. He said, in a, in a race, everybody's running, but only one's going to get that prize. So you need to make up your mind to run to win. He said, and true athletes who's running to win will make sacrifices in every aspect of his life. And they do it, Paul said, to win a temporal reef that just withers away. But we are sacrificing, are you with me, body of Christ? We are sacrificing to win a crown that will last forever. Paul said, I train like a champion athlete. I sacrifice, I subdue my body, and I bring it under control so that after preaching to others, I don't become disqualified. Yes, sir, that word sacrifice would be acceptably reasonable when used by a business owner who was talking to his employees of how it took much sacrifice to build the business and how he expects his employees to do the same to make the business successful. That word sacrifice would even be acceptable in a, uh, uh, if you will, in, in marriage counseling. When a marriage counselor talks about marriage and about the sacrifices that are made between two people who love one another. 
Can you hear me this morning? Or it would be acceptable in a parenting class of where you're teaching parents that, uh, the, that sacrifices are going to have to be made to be able to raise respectable children. Can somebody shout amen? But for some strange reason, that word sacrifice, which is acceptably reasonable in the field house, it's reasonable in your house. It seems to be totally unreasonable in the church house. Boy, y'all are quiet this morning. Think about it. You take the sacrifice out of football and the team collapse. You take the sacrifice out of any sport, you don't bring the trophy home. You take the sacrifice out of the business and the business goes belly up. You take the sacrifice out of marriage and the marriage fails. You take, are y'all with me this morning? You, you take the sacrifice out of raising kids and you raise a bunch of knuckleheads. God they ain't gonna help me this morning. You take sacrifice out of relationships and what happens? Relationships die. Why? When we understand this on the grander scale, my question is, why have we taken sacrifice out of the church? Why has sacrifice become so unreasonable to the average believer? When Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, logical act of worship. Let me tell you something. This I do know about sacrifice. Sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing is always unreasonable and unacceptable. Can I get a witness? I'm going to say that again. Just sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing is always unreasonable. Amen. It's, it's always unreasonable and unacceptable. Sacrifice is of the nature. Listen to me just a few more minutes. Sacrifice is of the nature that it has to be founded on something. Amen. Let me ask you that's got a job. Would you get up and go to work if you weren't going to get paid? Huh? Uh, you can say I love my job if you want to say I love my job. But know what you really love is that paycheck. And as much as you love your job, if they cut the paycheck off, you ain't going to show up, are you, Dylan? I know you love what you do, but if them boys quit paying you, you ain't going to show up. Why? Because sacrifices of a nature that, amen, I don't mind doing it. It's acceptable. It's reasonable as long as it has a motive. As long as it's founded upon something. Can I get a witness right now? Amen. In other words, sacrifice has to be driven by desire. Sacrifice has to be driven for, uh, by a desire for something greater than you have. Sacrifice has to be driven by passion. 
Is anybody listening to me? Sacrifice has to be driven by ambition. No wonder sacrifice has depleted out of the house of God because we've lost ambition to see something greater than ourselves. Why fast? Why pray? Why commit to 21 days? Why make a push when I'm in a state of total contentment for the condition of my home, my marriage, my relationship? Is anybody in this place? No, no, no. It's unacceptable. I don't care what the preacher asks you to do. 21 days don't mean nothing if I have nothing driving my will to sacrifice. Are y'all following me? That's why Paul put this scripture in there and said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, I'm not asking you to sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice, but rather I'm asking you to present your bodies, to present your bodies, to gift your bodies. Is anybody listening to me? I'm I'm asking you to gift your body, your entire being to God based on his mercy for you. Is anybody in this place right now? Amen. And, and notice that word mercy in that scripture says mercies, not mercy. I just need somebody lost or found. It don't matter to me. If you think God's been merciful to me, just to you, just wave at me. Uh, if you're sitting on this pew this morning, he was merciful to you. Amen. Whether we deserved it or not. Can I get a witness? So Paul said, there's no way I would ask you to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Amen. If there wasn't any motive for it. He said, but now I want to back up and say, based on how good God's been to you, based on <laughs> the salvation he has provided for you. Come on, somebody. Based on how merciful he's been to you you that you didn't get what you deserve now I want you to present back to him I want you to give back to him your body as a living sacrifice and then he didn't stop there amen he said which is if you really get your mind right it's not a burden it's reasonable it's totally the logical response To the goodness of God. In other words, when you consider the multitudes of mercies, all of a sudden presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God becomes an extremely reasonable act of worship. (laughs) In other words, it's like it's a no-brainer. In other words, you ain't got to provoke me. You ain't got to challenge me. You ain't got to push me. All I got to do is stop right now and give a testimony service. Uh, all I got to do is stop right now. And I'm talking about lost or saved this morning. Amen. Eh, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us and is showing mercy upon us every day of our life. So preacher, you ain't got to talk me into anything. It's just a logical expression of my gratitude. Oh, I just need somebody to give God some praise. Amen. That's why I'm a worshiper. It's a logical expression of the goodness of God in my life. Matter of fact, the real question is, why ain't you worshiping? Come on, somebody help me. The real question is, why are you sitting on your hands? The real question is, how come you ain't gifted yourself to God? Oh, my God, Brandy Valentine. He's just good, ain't he, girl? That he don't give us 
what we deserve. His mercies are new every morning. Now Paul said, what I'm about to require or to submit to you is a challenge beyond your comprehension. So if you don't get your mind right, you're not going to understand the presentation of your entire being to a holy God. And here's the other thing. God don't want you. How do I say this one? God don't want your reluctant sacrifice. Uh-uh. He don't want your money if you don't want to give it. I do, but he don't. Don't forget that. Let's keep this God over here and me over here. <laughs> Here's the offering plate. I don't care how you give it, just give it. But God, <laughs> I'm just being real. He don't want it. He don't want you worshiped. Amen. If somebody's twisting our arms and saying you got to fast, you got to pray, you got to dig. Is anybody listening to me? No, sir. He said, make it a present unto God, which is reasonable service. Amen. In other words, is that all you require for the goodness that God has showed in my life? <laughs> Woo. Come on. We got a little ways to go. Taylor took up all my time. I just come to tell you today, we finna enter into sacrifice that can't be a 21-day push. It's got to become a lifestyle. Why? Because sacrifice is a natural response of love. Then all of a sudden I understood. I really used to, Kobe, I really used to preach this message as a, a dogmatic God is requiring you to sacrifice until I understand what sacrifice is. Amen. Uh, Why he said, my house shall be called a house, house of sacrifice. Uh, can I tell you right now? Sacrifice is the natural response of love. So God was actually saying, my house is going to be a house of love. Amen? How do, come on, preacher, help me. Your Bible says, greater love hath no man than what? Come on, I see y'all quoting some scripture out there. Greater love hath no man than this who would sacrifice his life. Are you following me? He said love, amen. Sacrifice is just simply a response of love. And you know what? When true love's there, it's always reasonable. What kind of marriage would you have? I still ain't figured how. Something that looks like you. Got something like that. A lot of money. He's got a lot of money. That's what it is. What kind of relationship would they have? Amen. If Kobe says, oh my God, Josh, can we work till midnight? I really don't want to go home. <laughs> Josh, have you got something else we can do? Can I? <laughs> you can't get Kobe work past three. Amen. Uh, you know what? I, I just, it's just, I just don't really want to go home because when I get there, that woman's going to want sugar. She's going to want to be kissed. She's going to want to be talked to. She's going to, is anybody listening to me? It's just totally unreasonable. Huh? Is anybody listening to me? And we preach a gospel of the same thing. Oh, y'all ain't going to say that, but I'm going to preach it anyway. But no, you can't keep Kobe on the job because he wants to go home and see his wife. Amen. It's, it's, it's not only <laughs> desirable, it's reasonable. Amen. And any sacrifices you have to make, it ain't twisting our arm. It's reasonable service based upon the goodness of our God. We've messed sacrifice all up. God said, my house is going to be a house of sacrifice. 
It's going to be a house, he said, where there is a total expression of how much you love me by your sacrifice. Did y'all catch that one? It's the life of Jesus. It's the life, uh, Jermaine, of John 3.16. For God so the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. When Jesus was hanging upon the cross, it wasn't unreasonable service to him. It was totally logical and reasonable for him to surrender his life because he was motivated by a passion for the Father and a passion for you. Come on, I need you to stay with me a few more minutes because it's easy to say I love you, Father. It's easy to say I'm born again. It's easy to say I'm Christian. Amen. But there ain't but one way to measure your affection for your Father, and it's through the level of sacrifice. And not religious obligation, but the level of sacrifice that is reasonable to you. Isn't it amazing that it's hard to call revivals anymore or prayer meetings anymore? You want to know why? Sunday morning's reasonable, but not Monday night. I'm just talking, y'all. Uh, that's totally unreasonable amen that's totally too here's here's an awesome scripture Romans chapter number 5 verse number 8 God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners Christ boy that's a that's a powerful expression of love isn't it while he demonstrated his love for you that while we were sinners, he died for us. Somebody needs to get that scripture because somebody has told, the devil has told somebody, God don't love you. I just gave you a scripture to shoot that all to pieces. (laughs) Did you catch it? That not only did he say, I love you, Dylan. He said, I'm going to demonstrate my love to you by my level of sacrifice. So it'll wipe out all doubt of how much I love you. Because love can only be manifested through sacrifice. And God said, my house shall be called a house of sacrifice. God told Abraham, I don't know, I don't know, I ain't going to attempt to. I've asked preachers way smarter than me, and, and, and some of them made up answers that didn't even make sense. So I'm going to just leave it where it is. I don't know why God didn't know. All I know is the Bible says that God told Abraham, I've discovered something about you by seeing what you were willing to sacrifice. I don't know if God in his omniscience withheld that knowledge from himself. He is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to. All I know is your Bible says, I'm going to put you to the test so I can see the value you placed upon me. And when Abel, and, and God said, I just discovered something about you I couldn't discover in a worship service. I just discovered something about you I couldn't even discover in your prayer time. I, is anybody hearing me? I just discovered something about you in a bloody mountain and called Mariah when I required you gave up the most precious thing to you now I've discovered <laughs> now oh and, and, and as a matter of fact this is what really struck me is God actually was saying Abraham I've, what I've really discovered is what I've really discovered is what I mean to you by what you were willing to give up Golly, you feel that? 
He didn't want Abraham's son. He wanted Abraham's heart. I wonder how many God, times God's put us to the test just to see if we would give up that Facebook or time or that. Simple things that, that's not a sin. Come on, you don't have to quit. But I just wonder how many times God was positioning me for promotion. But he wasn't valuable enough to me to sacrifice that time. That theme, that conversation, that attitude. That disposition, that mindset. He said, I've discovered on Mount Moriah, the high place where I'm looking, that place of sacrifice, I discovered something about you, Abraham. I discovered you value me more than your only son. You know how much all you moms, dads, do you know how much it would have been easier for God to tell Abraham to lay his own self on the altar and take his life, it would have been easy. Well, easier. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Has any moms ever prayed, God, take that fever off my baby and put it on me? Am I the only one? God, take that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been easier. But when he asked for the most precious thing, his promised child, he said, now, because you were willing to kill it, I've discovered your value system. Can I tell you, you can say anything, but your value system can only be measured by your willingness to sacrifice. Oh, my God. So now I know. Now I know. Now I know. Listen to me, I I need to move on, but I feel like hanging out here so I can bring this home to you. We're living in an era, I can't think of the words you taught us last week, uh, a state of things to where people, it's a selfish era we live in. Huh? Zygosh, you ought to go watch that if you missed it. It's the state of things that we're living in. People say they love their kids, but live in selfish lives. People say they love their spouse <laughs> and looking at others. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. People, people, you can say anything. Oh, I really do love you. No, no, we're lying to ourselves because uh, true love can only be measured by what you're willing to give up. And I'm willing to give up my life because of my love for you. If we could just get parents to give up their ways for their children like you. It's it's the only measuring stick. God said, there's some things I can't discover from you because you're talented. There's some things I can't discover just because you're gifted. Because you can preach good, sing good, or anything else. There's some things about you I can't discover until we're on Mount Moriah. (laughs) Amen. With a knife in your hand ready to take out anything that comes between you and your God. Somebody shout reasonable sacrifice. And and, and look what happened, y'all. Look what happened. When Abraham began to sacrifice... He began to notice things he didn't notice before. 
Isn't that amazing? When he began to sacrifice, amen, I'm afraid that's what's wrong with the average believer. We're wanting God to jump through hoops and do things for us while we sit on the sideline of compromise and convenience with no risk whatsoever, amen. And God is saying, are you kidding me? I did that 2,000 years ago. I got it tied in the bush and waiting on you. I'm just waiting on you to love me enough to take a step of faith and then all of a sudden when Abraham was obedient he saw God had already provided oh my God that needs to be talked about (laughs) he would have missed his miracle if his value system was messed up is that why we're missing our miracles it's because we need to do another appraisal Of the kingdom of God. Somebody shout, move on, Pastor. I'm trying. So it brings me to a text where God said, This is the house I'm going to dwell in. This is the house I'll put my heart. Isn't that powerful? That's what we're after. God's here, God's everywhere. God's everywhere at the same time. But He said, This house I've chosen to put my heart. That's what we want, Kamal. We want the heart of God in here. That's what I've started praying, that this thing have a heartbeat. What's that thing you struggle with, arrhythmia, that, that, that you got to take care of? It's just all out of whack. No, I want this building, this house, this corporate body. I want us to beat in rhythm with God's heart. To love what he loves. To go after what he... He said, it's this house. This house of sacrifice is the one I'm going to dwell in. But listen, he said, it's this house where my eyes are going to be. It's this house where my ear is going to be attentive to the prayer. But where is it? It's the house of sacrifice, which is reasonable service. You can't fast to manipulate God. You can't fast to change the state of God. You fast to change the state of man so he can see God at a greater level. And when Abraham began to sacrifice, he began to see God had already provided. Can I tell you something? Amen. This is where I got lost in her sermon. The scriptures she used, and I ain't got time to go back too far. But let me tell you something. I'm just going to be straightforward with this statement. The kingdom of God as far as your natural existence is concerned, is the most inconvenient and expensive move you'll ever make. We don't say things like that no more. You should have heard her teaching this stuff. I'm going to say it again. The kingdom of God, as it relates to your human existence, your flesh, your will, is the most inconvenient and the most expensive move you'll ever make and I could stop right here and go to preaching nothing but Jesus' message of how expensive it is to be a follower of Jesus so expensive that he said count the cost we don't tell people that no more count the cost because if you love your mama more than me or if you love your daddy more than me if you love your brother more than me you're not worthy of me don't get quiet on me now I'm just repeating Jesus amen he said if you don't take up your cross and follow him after me and deny yourself you're not even worthy of me it is the most expensive gospel ever known to man and it always comes at an inconvenient time
Therefore, I said all that to say this. The only thing that can turn something so expensive and so inconvenient into something reasonably logical is the realization of its value. Did y'all catch all that? It's the only thing. The only thing that can take something that causes calls for so much sacrifice, so much dedication, is the realization of how valuable this thing is. Matter of fact, Paul said, if we as Christians had life in this, had hope in this life only, we'd be the most miserable people on the planet. Why? Because we should be the most sacrificial. We should be the most surrendered. We should be the most surrendered. Did I say that? We should... And besides that, we should be the most surrendered. I don't know how else to say it. Are you listening to me? He said, so if we was working for nothing, we'd be the most miserable people on the planet. But because we're working towards something, it's absolutely reasonable. Huh? Let me help somebody right now. Amen. He said, your problem is you don't understand the value of the kingdom. Can I tell you something? I used to have a pontoon boat and every seat was full of life jackets. Ever seen? I had them for fat people, skinny people, little people. Solid life jackets. But they were covered up and didn't mean nothing to me till the boat started sinking. All of a sudden, them life jackets became the most valuable thing in my life. Are you listening to me? The reason the kingdom of heaven is not valuable to a lot of people, amen, I don't know how many bedsides I have sit beside of dying people who didn't want me, they didn't want a preacher, they didn't want a church, they didn't want a musician until the day they was about to take their last breath. And all of a sudden, that became the most valuable thing in their lives of get that man in here, we got to talk. Amen. Hey, hey, uh, you ever seen a storm cellar out in somebody's yard? It's the ugliest thing you've ever seen, and it has no value when the sun is shining. But when the storm is coming, it's the most valuable. I guarantee you could sell tickets to the storm cellar. It's going to become very valuable one day. And as far as our lives is concerned right now, the only thing, that can turn something so inconvenient and unreasonable into something so desirable is when we understand the true value of that thing. And then all of a sudden, it becomes reasonable service. There's people that knows you right now that cannot understand why you go to church so much. Why? <laughs> why do you want to go to prayer meeting? Why do you do Bible study all the time? Why? They can't help it. They just don't understand the value of what you put value on. And to them, you mean y'all got to go back? <laughs> you mean you got to go to church three times a week when coming from your perspective is that's so reasonable? <laughs> when I consider the mercies and the goodness of God in my life, it's the least I can do. 
Listen to these scriptures. Matthew 13, 44. He starts talking about what the kingdom is like. It says, here's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of God is like unto treasure hid in the field, which when a man hath found it, he hides it, and for joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Look, it goes on. It says, heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he's discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gives up all he has in exchange for it. He said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's, it's treasure. It's exquisite jewels. But the only people who recognize that is merchants. Those who desire things of that value. Those who are looking for things of that value. Because according to this scripture, bliss, things of that value are not just laying on top of the ground for your average person to find. He said they were hidden and they got to be sought after. Why? Because it's valuable. Somebody shout reasonable sacrifice. I need to quit, but let me remind you of this one thing. Lindsay... The scriptures are found, if you want to write them down, in 1 Chronicles 21, starting in 24. The plague was killing everybody. It was just a plague in the land, and I couldn't help but think about what we're going through right now. With COVID, and just got back from burying my uncle, buried one here Saturday, and just everywhere all across the world and just out there this is kind of what was going on in David's day they were dying by the thousands <clears throat> and he came back to this mountain <clears throat> God said offer up a sacrifice cry out to me and I'll stop this plague <laughs> so he went to that priest that was there and said I'm going to need your threshing floor I'm going to need sacrifice. I'm going to need an altar. And that priest said, here, take it. Do what you've got to do. Stop this plague. Take it all free of charge. I'm not charging you anything. And David, a man of sacrifice, looked that priest in the eye and said, I will not insult my God. I will not offer him anything that costs me nothing. What? I will not offer God a prayer that didn't cost me something, a worship song that didn't cost me something. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. We are plagued with what I call devotional convenience. That my devotion is based upon my convenience. I'll pray when it's convenient for me. I'll sacrifice when it's convenient. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. Amen. It's called devotional convenience. Amen. When David, even the Old Testament said, amen, God's eyes are not on that kind of sacrifice. His heart is not attached to that kind of sacrifice because it's simply because I got a little free time 
So I'm going to do a little devotion time. Is anybody in this place? I'm trying to lead you into seeking for the glory of God. It's called devotional convenience. David said, I ain't offering nothing that costs me nothing. Amen. He said, I'm going to buy it from you. Read the scriptures. And it says, I don't even want you to put it on sale. I'm going to pay the full price so that when I offer up to God, it's got blood on it. My blood. Why? Because that's the measure of sacrifice. Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So back to my text. God said, this is the house I chose to put my name there. I chose it to put my heart there. My ear is always going to be listening to what you're saying in that place. Isn't that good? And my eyes are all going to be watching so I can provide for what you need in that place. I need you to take that individually now. That's the place that God dwells. It's in a place of sacrifice. And we're living in an era of 21st century to where it's all about convenience. Are you serious, Pastor? 21 days commitment. Do you understand how inconvenient that's going to be? Come on now, can I just be real? Inconvenient. I challenge you in this time, go back, listen to Kobe's message. Listen, you got to teach that lesson. Listen to the teaching from Wednesday night of what God is requiring of us. And then I want you to memorize Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. I'm begging you, based on the mercies of God, to gift yourself to Jesus. But not because the pastor told you to, but because you just got to thinking if it wasn't for God. And then all of a sudden, it all became reasonable. <clears throat> Let's pray together. There ain't no way I can preach this level and you know how to pray over it. Just right there, just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. I want you to count the cost. As you're, you're, you're sitting there thinking and you're just soaking it in, I, I just challenge you to pray right now, Father, deliver me of my devotional convenience. And this is not unreasonable because while we're meditating now, while we're meditating, if you have any relationships around you, I want you to just really imagine what those relations would be like, relationships would be like if they were founded on just convenience. They wouldn't last long. If it was just, when it's convenient, I'll spend some time with you. When it's convenient, I'll, I'll, I'll be a sounding board for you. When it's convenient. And right now, in this atmosphere 
I'm, I'm challenging you right now. I want you to do a, a, an analysis of your devotion to Christ. Could it fall under the category of devotional convenience? What that really means is, God, I'm going to give you the leftovers. But let me tell you what, I can prove to you by Scripture, God's ear is not in that place. His heart is not in that place. His eyes are not on that place. He said in Jeremiah 29, you shall call upon me and you shall pray and I'm going to hear you. And he said, when you seek me and find me, it will be when you search for me with your whole heart. Come on, make your commitment right there. I'm going all in. I want the glory back in my home. I want the glory back in my life. I want the glory back in life church. And in these 21 days of transition, when my flesh says it'd be easier, that's inconvenient today. That's inconvenient today. It'd be easier just to slip right back in. No, this is a brand new year. It's a brand new year. It's fresh and clean. Let's raise the value of the kingdom and the glory. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 